Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you were with us last time, Remember the Jews were seeking a sign. Jesus said, the sign you will get will be the prophet Jonah. Then in Matthew, we looked at it last week. Matthew tells us that Jesus said, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so Jesus was in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And then he came forth from the grave. And Jonah's message to the Ninevites was a message of his resurrection. And Jesus said, the men of Nineveh will rise up and condemn you. And the queen of the Sheba, who came to hear the wisdom of Solomon, will rise up and condemn them because a greater than Jonah and a greater than Solomon was among them. Right about chapter 11, verse 32. A greater than Jonah, greater than Solomon was among them. Again, if you missed any of this teaching, please pick it up. I think it'll help you. And as we move forward today, we pick up our study in verse 33. I've titled this sermon, Religion Versus Relationship, Part 1. So that means next week's sermon title will be what? Religion Versus Relationship. Y'all so smart. That just blew me away. Look at verse 33 in chapter 11. If you're looking at it, say amen. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light, as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. And in verse 37, as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and he sat down to eat. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. And then the Lord said to him in verse 39, are you looking at it? Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and the dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness, foolish ones. Do not, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. 
These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. And woe to you Pharisees in verse 43, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. And woe to you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, mask wearers, for you are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. We could continue to read, but we'll stop right there. Give me your attention. In verse 33, Jesus says, No one, when he had lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place, but on a lampstand, he puts it on display. That makes sense. So a lamp should be put on display so everyone can benefit from the light. So the work of God and the word of God should be on display so everyone can benefit. But when Jesus puts his word and his work on display, the religious people are offended. Jesus is trying to help them understand that I came to gather you, not scatter you, and to give you life, and to give you light, and to lead the way, but you won't listen, to give you light. In the Bible, as you study this word light, you will find This word light is used 272 times in the Bible, of which I thought it would be good if we review every one of them this morning. (laughs) Just kidding. Here are just a few of them. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. God said, let there be, somebody help me, light. If you're taking notes, you write this down. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I, anybody know? Fear. Psalm 36, verse 9. In your light, we see light. Isn't that interesting? Psalm 118, verse 27. God is the Lord and he has given us light. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 20. Pardon me, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. The law is light. Psalm 119.105, thy word is a lamp to my feet, somebody help me, and a light to my path. Psalm 119.130, the entrance of thy word gives light. Fast forward to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus said, of us believers, of us, you are the light of the world. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 4 through 9, it says of Jesus, In him was life, L-I-F-E, and that life is the light, L-I-G-H-T, of all men who come into the world. Again, John, chapter 8, verse 12, While the candelabra was lit in the court of the women on the feast day, Jesus cried out, I am the light of the world, and if you follow him, you will not walk in darkness, but you shall have light. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 tells us that we are to walk as children of light. 1 John, the epistle, 1 John chapter 1 verse 5, it says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So the Bible has a lot to say about light. Jesus is making a very simple statement here that any child can understand. The purpose of light is to illuminate and to expose what is there. 
And if light is going to be of any use at all, then it must be seen. And if it's hidden under a basket, it is no longer useful. Jesus is saying, if you follow me and you're a Christian, then don't hide that light. Don't hide that light. I think we're living in a time where it seems a culture, where it seems to kind of be cool for people to guess what you are. You ever notice that? It's like everybody's something. You know, I'm a vegan. I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat. I haven't met any of those yet, but I'm, there must be somebody out there. Why, well, you know, I only, I'm all protein. I'm all carbs. Everybody's something. Everybody's, somebody's got a God, a different God. Who you worship? Ra. I worship Ra. Jehovah. Jehovah, what's Jehovah? Jehovah the Bible, Jehovah's Witness. Everybody's something. It seems to be that people are cool. It seems to be cool to be guessing what people are, almost in vogue to be even a secret service Christian. Almost an alien believer, like moving around but not telling anybody, making them figure it out. In our culture, there's a lot of talk about relational evangelism. What's that, Rodney? Relational evangelism says that you need to have a relationship with someone before you preach the gospel to them. You got to get to know them. Relational evangelism. Some people really, really believe in this. So in other words, you got to go over their house for lunch three times a week before you can preach the gospel to them. Four times a week. Got to get to know them first. Let me tell you something. I don't think that's a bad thing by no means to get to know people, but... I think that we have to be uh, very careful that we don't take relational evangelism to the point of no evangelism because we have to establish a relationship with them. And I thank God that Paul didn't really assent to, buy into relational evangelism because if he did, some of us, we probably wouldn't be saved, not in this generation. Can't get to know all of us. And Jesus didn't tell us to go into the world and make relationships. Let the church say amen. Jesus said, go into the world, make disciples. And sometimes, yes, it's okay to make a relationship and have a relationship with somebody. But listen, we need to be more concerned with the fact that people are dying and going to hell. And how do you know that that person talking to you right now is going to be alive tomorrow to be able for you to establish a relationship with them? That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If any man hears my voice, don't harden your heart. Today, not tomorrow. Today, not when you establish a relationship. Today is a day to give your life to Jesus. It's important to give your heart to Jesus when you feel the light of God upon your heart. Well, notice in verse 34, the lamp of the body is the eye. The eye is the way for light to come into your body. You know, somebody once said that the eye is the gateway to the, anybody know? Soul, you know that. When the eye is good and healthy and focused on Jesus, then the body is full of light. And when the body is bad, when the eye is bad and not focused or distorted, the whole body is affected. Jesus is saying, you've been watching my ministry and listening to the word. 
And people were accusing him of doing miracles by the power of Satan, you remember. And Jesus answered that and said, you need to, take, you need to think this thing through. Can Satan be divided against Satan? You can't take a strong man's house unless you're stronger. And to those who want a sign, Jesus said, the sign is Jonah and the resurrection. And the queen of Sheba will condemn you because she didn't need a sign. All she needed were the words of Solomon. And I am a greater than Solomon, Jesus said. Jesus is saying, your problem is light. Your eye is evil. It's sick. And there is darkness. In other words, listen, there are people whose eyes are not in good shape, who are not allowing their lives to be filled with light. Why? Because, listen, they're walking in darkness. And the reason they're walking in darkness, watch this, you're going to love it. The reason they're walking in darkness is because they choose to. Do you understand that folks walking in darkness don't have to? They choose to. Where you get that from, Rodney? John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, you write this down. It says, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. People who are walking in darkness are there because it's their choice, because they don't want their evil deeds exposed. And that is why, listen, when you're walking in darkness, all your friends love you. But as soon as you give your life to Jesus Christ and you decide to walk in the light and walk close to Jesus, all of a sudden you don't have anybody to hang out with. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ten people. Anybody? 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I'm going to keep doing this. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. Anybody else? 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. You raise your hand twice. I seen you. It's true. It is true. When you give your life to Jesus, you don't have no friends all of a sudden because now you're walking in the light and they're walking in darkness. That's why when you give your life to Jesus, you need to plan on finding new friends. You need to plan on, look, even, I don't care if your boyfriend, your girlfriend, when you say, hey, I'm a Christian, they're going to think you lost your ever-loving mind. And you know when you say ever-loving? That means it's gone. Your ever-loving mind. And don't think that when you become a Christian, that you're going to be able to draw them to Christ. I've heard that a thousand times. Well, you know, I love Jesus, and, you know, I love them too, and I tell you what, I'm just going to serve Jesus, and I'm going to save them. Pastor, I'm going to save them. I'm going to get them to church and save them. Can I tell you something? It never happens. You know why? Because we, our flesh, is weak, and we have a propensity to be drawn to darkness. You can't save, not only that, but you can't save anybody. 
Well, I'll just keep walking with Jesus and keep talking about Jesus and get him to church and I'll save him. Listen, that never happens. As a matter of fact, conversely, you know what happens? They wind up drawing you into darkness. And you find yourself right back in the same place that you started. Light and darkness do not mix. The light of God, listen, if you're here today and you feel bad about some sin in your life or something you've been involved in, can I tell you something? You need to lift your hands and thank God that you feel bad about that. You know why? Because that means that the light of God, the Holy Spirit, is shining upon you and convicting you of that sin so that you can turn from that sin and give your heart to Jesus Christ. That means God is still working in your life and trying to draw you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? God's still trying to work in your life. That conviction and that I feel bad about that thing. That's the Lord working on you. That means he hasn't given up on you. Some people have come to me and even said, Pastor Rodney, I feel like God's given up on me. Why do you feel that? Well, I'm just too bad, Pastor Rodney. I just feel bad about what I've done. I've been involved in this and been involved in that, and I feel like God's just tired of me. God's given up on me. I feel bad. I went, no, God is not giving up on you. How do you know that? Because you feel bad about it. If you didn't feel bad about it, that would mean that the Holy Spirit's not working on you and you've just, your conscience, Paul talks to Timothy about, is seared with a hot iron. You no longer feel bad about it. But the very fact that you feel bad about it is proof positive that God is still working in you to try to draw you out of it. The light of God is still shining on you to draw you to himself, to draw you out of that sin. So when you feel that, listen, when you feel that, 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 that desire to come away from that sin, listen, don't reject it. Don't reject it. Do it today. When that light shines upon you, don't reject it. You know, there was a man by the name of Voltaire who hated Jesus. And he said, curse the wretch, talking about Jesus. He said, I will personally dismantle what it took the 12 apostles a thousand years to build in hundreds of years, the Bible will be no more, he said. Well, 100 years later, Voltaire's personal house was turned into a distribution center for the Geneva Bible. <laughs> Isn't that just like God? And Voltaire is gone. Now get this, the nurse who attended his death was a believer, and she said, as Voltaire was passing from his life, she heard him scream three times, more light, more light, more light. And he died in terrible fear, and he passed from this world. And the nurse said, I will never attend the death of an unbeliever again. Jesus says to these Pharisees, your problem is you're not needing a sign. Your problem is light, and you're not responding to the light that has come to you, and you reject it. When the light of Jesus comes to you and the Holy Spirit comes to you, the Bible says he will teach us all things. Now, who in this room, with a show of hands, knows all things? Now, I'm not asking you who thinks they know all things. <laughs> I know a lot of hands will go up then. But who in this room knows all things? Listen, no one, nobody knows all things. We don't know all things. But we do know that we didn't come from monkeys. I'm going to wait till you clap your hands. And we know that. 
And you know what's kind of mind-boggling? Some of the most brilliant people in the world, look, we, we know, we Christians, we Christian folk. I'm talking to Christian folk. I'm talking to Christian folk. We know we didn't cover monkeys. Some of the most brilliant people in the world are still not sure about that. And the Bible teaches, listen, that we have been made a little lower than angels. Can I tell you something? I would rather be a little lower than angels than a little higher than monkeys. Can I get a witness? Now hold on. We know where we came from and we know where we're going. And we know what will be the scenario of the end times of this world. And we know this world isn't going to roll on for thousands of years until humans grow really big foreheads and metamorphosize and little tiny eyes. We know that's not going to happen. The Bible says Jesus is coming. And all the signs are there. And we know all things because Jesus has brought us into the kingdom of light. And some brilliant people say Christians are fools for believing the Bible. Can I tell you something? I'd rather be a fool for Jesus than a smart guy in hell. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. And look, look at verse 37. The Pharisees, I love this verse, a Pharisee. Y'all, please get this. Asked Jesus to come for dinner. Jesus went and sat down and started eating before washing his hands. And when the Pharisee saw it, he was shocked. He was amazed. And this Pharisee, listen, he isn't concerned about hygiene. He's concerned about ceremony. The Jews taught it was important to wash your hands before, during, and after meals so that you would not be ceremonially unclean. You had to hold your hands upward in a certain way and pour water over your fingers. Then you had to hold them down a certain way, pour water over your hands, and the water couldn't run down to your elbow, otherwise you were unclean. And then you had to put your right hand in. (laughs) Take your right hand out. What we got to do, y'all? The hokey pokey. (laughs) And they did this several times during the meal, this whole ceremonial hand-washing thing. They did this whole procedure. You know, I'm thinking, my goodness, I would never finish my chicken wings. <laughs> by the time you, man, by the time you, if you were eating anything and finger-licking, forget it. You're never going to finish it because you got to eat, you know, take a bite, and then you got to wash your hands. I mean, it's ridiculous. So they invite Jesus over And Jesus doesn't do any of this washing. Notice in verse 39, Jesus said, You make the outside of the cup and the dish clean, but your hearts are dirty and full of greed and wickedness. They said, Jesus, I can't believe you're eating with unclean hands. And Jesus said, I can't believe you're eating with an unclean heart. And then Jesus jumps right in there. Look at verse 40. He says, You fool. And doesn't that just blow away the whole Sunday school Jesus? (laughs) Doesn't it really? Jesus was so wonderful. He's so sweet and loving and kind to all of the peoples. Jesus said, fool. (laughs) I love Jesus. I don't know. I hope you do too. He says, you fools, the same one who made the outside of the cup also made the inside. And then Jesus begins to pronounce a series of six woes on them. And we'll see how many we can get to this morning. We'll pick up the rest of them next week when you come back. 
a series of woes. Now, if you're taking notes, you write this down. The word woe in the Bible is different from how we use the word woe. We might say, whoa, horsey, whoa. Or we might say, whoa, man, slow down, slow your roll, whoa. But when the Bible uses the word woe, listen, it's a guttural outcry of anger and pain. Isaiah 6, 5, woe is me. The book of Revelation speaks of the coming judgment as woes. It means to watch out. They are sure and they are certain. And when Jesus says woe, he's saying the things that you are about to hear are sure and they are certain. Woe number one. Woe to the Pharisees because of wrong priorities. Look at verse 42, if you will, in your Bibles. You tithe and you pass over justice and the love of God. Listen, the tithe in the Jewish mind is very important. It was a very important to Pharisees. It was a religious obligation. And they went beyond the law of tithing from the land and they took it to the kitchen. And they ritualistically counted out every tenth leaf of mint and every tenth seed of dill and cumin. Nine for me, one for God. Nine for me, one for God. And Jesus is saying, you're all tied up in knots about these petty, picky, non-essentials, and you really miss the important stuff. How about some equitable judgment? How about some mercy? How about some faith? How about some love of God? You know, way before Tina Turner, the Pharisees were singing, what's love got to do with it? And Jesus is saying, your, your tithing would be fine if your heart was right toward God. You are majoring on the minors. You're putting religion over relationship. Now, listen, don't miss this. Jesus isn't saying you don't need to give to God. He says the things you ought to have, that you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.